John Shu here for another Puff Creative podcast. I have the pleasure to have Brian and Keelan back on my podcast again. What is up, guys? Thanks for having us, John. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Me too. I feel like we already did a podcast before I actually pressed record right now. So I wish <laughs> we've been talking. A lot's happened since our last podcast. I've had a baby. Brian has a baby on the way. Keelan does not have any babies in the foreseeable nope. future, but he <laughs> is taking notes, ladies and gentlemen, behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> He's going to live and learn from me and Brian's mistakes, that's for sure. <laughs> are you going to tell them, John, we're demoing out Canadads and see how that responds? Yes, we are also going to be starting a Canadads podcast here in the next few months. Um, I'm going to give Brian at least a month after he has his baby to like catch his breath and kind of reassess the situation because time is just irrelevant once you have a child uh so <laughs> nights are days and days are nights <laughs> um that being said you know since since we've last spoken um a lot has happened in cannabis a lot has happened in delta eight which is continually a hot topic that we the three of us talk about um what what i want to start with delta eight here um i know that you've speaking on the i think there's a one or two podcasts in between our last one where you guys learned some pretty valuable info what would you say is the most critical current info that you could share with listeners um just like maybe like three or four highlights or you know four or five you go first Colin. yeah and so i think the kind of I know that the USDA is going to rule on Delta 8 here shortly, kind of, they're going to end up drawing the line in the sand somewhere, right? Um, we'll where do you, see. where do you think that line's going to be is, is, a, is a good question, I guess. I mean, my gut tells me that they're probably going to uh, say that it is illegal because it does cause a psychoactive effect in humans, right? And there's just not enough scientific evidence for them to claim that it's safe, right? I mean, CBD mm -hmm. still hasn't even become a true nutraceutical yet. So um, I would imagine that the USDA is going to um, rule on the cautious side. But the other side of that argument is that it has been a really, really nice um, economic stimulus for the, the hemp and CBD industry that has been kind of struggling to um, you know, survive the the onslaught that was the massive saturation of kind of companies entering the space. And so it'll be interesting because there is, it is generating revenue for these companies, right, that are being able yeah. to convert the CBD to Delta 8. It, it's given them a breath of life in terms of moving some of their inventory, right? And, and it's given access to a lot of consumers that aren't in legal markets, right? It's given them yeah. access to uh, a stress relieving molecule that produces the same effects, similar effects to kind of your traditional Delta 9 THC, right? So there's positives and negatives on both sides of the, the conversation. But I just, I would imagine that just because it is a psychoactive chemical that yeah. that's probably going to be the end all be all. I mean, what's your thoughts, Brian, on this whole thing? I think it's going to be illegal, right? And there's a couple of different reasons why that is. First off, John, I took your advice, went out and bought those products. Don't know if I'm supposed to shout them out or I'm allowed to shout them out. Oh, the yeah, podcast. go ahead. My client, yeah. Mellow Fellow? Yeah. They are great branding. And I, I liked it, right? Like, I, I took the product. I was a little unsure of, like, what I was going to experience. I took yeah. it. 
I loved it, right? It, it gives that first feeling <laughs> of like, I'm back. Like this is like the, the mildness of like, I enjoy, like I enjoy I'm the back. psychoactive. I'm back. <laughs> Sometimes I have a hesitancy where I try products and they're either too strong for me and I end up kind of in a, in a deeper area. Or this one was kind of that one-to-one -one feeling exactly like you had described that I really kind of yep. strive to get. So I really enjoyed that. The second time took, I took it- You took like a, a kind of like start small approach. Yeah, I was no yeah. idea like yeah, what yeah. it was gonna be like, right? Like I was like, all right, well, I'll just try it and go. Especially after our podcast and our conversation with Matt, figured like, what the hell? So tried it, really liked it and was like stoked about it. The second time I had a different experience, I didn't get as, let's say ripped, wasn't sure like what the situation was, but I think at the end of the day, there's one or two things that I think are really important. It shows that the demand for, for psychoactive products is off the charts. And I think for people, if they can get these type of products, no matter if they're in a rec state or in a non-rec state, they're craving that. And I think as the industry evolves, you know, you're going to see these massive boom because people are consuming any sort of cannabinoid products they can. And if they can get high, even better, right? I sent this one product to one of my buddies and I was like, you're going to get stoned if you take this and he took it and he was blown away because he also had other bad experiences where he had bought another delta 8 products and he didn't have a good experience so i wonder you know how the industry can do a better job of regulating it to make sure that the consumer can get a more that's a really product. good point that's a great point you know i would say that um the mellow fellow brand that we work with and why we work with them is because they have a a PhD pharmacist chemist who actually does the entire process from start to finish. Right. Um, I've, been, I've been to their lab. I've seen their lab tests. Um, I, I've seen their process from start to finish. So that's like for us to work with a company like that when there's so much gray area, that's like a really important factor. Um, I think it's important that consumers like understand that too. Um, but that's where but, it gets so challenging, right? Yeah. Like how, to know, how do you know? How do I, yeah, you know? I, I, this sparked two really big questions for me. Um, one is, what do you think the timing on the USDA uh, legislation will be? I know that's like probably the hardest question to ask anyone because they take forever uh, and things change every day. And then two, um, or let's just start with one, actually. Yeah. I know that there is the National Hemp Association. Um, I think it's National Hemp Association is actually putting together, there's a, like a, a webinar panel to mm. review the USDA ruling. And I think that they're supposed to rule in the middle of this month, I think maybe next week even, because I know that that webinar is on the 22nd of April and they're gonna review what the USDA speaks on as far as Delta 8, as well as the USDA is gonna touch on a bunch of other um, aspects of the hemp industry, if, if that makes sense in terms of um, crop limits and monitoring those things and um, a myriad of other uh, topics that are yeah. important to moving the hemp industry forward and the CBD industry forward, right? And so we should hear what they have to say here shortly on it um, would be my guess. But again, you never know with the government, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and are, are they going to go and, and look to shut down all the brands and companies that are selling them online? Because until they're able to shut down all of those it's a huge outlet, right? Like at the end of the day, people have a ton of CBD. They know they can convert it to D8 and sell it online. And then as consumers, all you need to do is find one outlet, share it with your friends and boom, you know, these brands can sell a ton of different products pretty quickly. I mean, my question is, is, is who's going to shut it down though? Right? Like, right. Who? Like, the it's, like, it's, like, like it's kind of like, it's kind of like hemp. Like, it's like, 
they're going to attack from like a food and, and beverage, like health concern aspects for certain brands for the, for the online brands. It's like, they're going to go to the payment processors and like put restrictions on them. Uh, same with like probably advertising <laughs> restrictions and stuff, which I'm intrigued about. Um, but it's the same yeah, fear. It's, it's the same. What's that? Do you think it's going to be the FDA or the USDA? I mean, what government regulatory body handles that? <laughs> I don't, I don't right? know. I guess, I guess, I, yeah, I don't know, all three, I guess. Like I mean, there's still just so much gray area in, in, in cannabinoids in general, you know, it's like, um, it's but this is the same fear I have for, you know, federal legalization and like, what does that look like and how do things change? And, you know, there's so much money and business already in D8 in particular that like, if they make these changes, like lives are going to be impacted. I mean, you know, we're, I'm going to lose out on money, you know, if, if they, if they shut great brands, like, you know, mellow fellow down. Um, but like, where's the balance? Like I also want people to be safe and like, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, there's all these gives and takes for sure. Um, but this raises another question I have is, um, and this might be more towards you, uh, Keelan, um, from like a, uh, you know, chemistry from like a safety perspective, in theory, if Delta A is um, made properly and goes through the, the process, is it something that people should be concerned about from like, like a consumption perspective? Is it any different from other concentrates or cannabinoid products people are consuming? Or, is I mean, what, or just like any other product, do, do people just need to look out for your, your standards? Like, hey, these lab tests look like shit. You probably shouldn't, you know, consume this process or like, hey, this this wasn't made in a licensed facility or, hey, there's no, P there's no PhD on staff. Like, why are you consuming those products? Is it like, is, what type of perspective would you say consumers should have or do you have, you know, as, as a totally. consumer? And that's a fair question. I would say that the, what you mentioned earlier in terms of uh, Mellow Fellow and kind of their staff and how they've approached it is like, that can't be screamed loud enough is that, if you don't have individuals with synthetic organic experience at a PhD level, kind of maintaining that operation from a quality control standpoint, then it's you're running a lot of risks as a consumer consuming a brand that doesn't take those necessary steps, right? As far as safety goes, if it's done the right way, it's purified, there's none of these other chemicals present. Um, they do a great job removing like with hydrocarbons, right? Like BHO hydrocarbon extracts. If there's BHO yep. in there, BHO is a carcinogen. But when they remove it, now it's no longer an issue from a health standpoint, right? And so if if all of those loopholes or not loopholes, but all, all of those uh, boxes are checked, then it's going to be safe. And at the end of the day, the molecular structure of D8 is so similar to Delta 9 and CBD that I and I, again, I'm not a doctor and I don't have a ton of like a large body of science. This is not a medical, this is not a licensed medical <laughs> or legal podcast. In our first episode, we recreated that. That was like our public. This is not, we are right. not lawyers. We are not <laughs> right. doctors. Do your own research. <laughs> we're, just, so, we're just enthusiasts and advocates. <laughs> I would say that there's no, I, I mean, of course, like the dose makes the poison, but yeah. There's not a lot of significant difference, chemically speaking, from Delta 8 and Delta 9 and CBD. Yeah. They're all especially like once you start going through extraction processes and adding other outside elements, right? That was my understanding. Yeah, I, and the reason I asked, I actually was so excited to talk to you guys and get your thoughts because um at, like I I did a jam session last night with my, my new band and uh our lighting guy got in this like huge argument with me about he's like, dude, it's definitely not safe. 
And I'm like, man, I like, do you realize like what cannabis and hemp go through like in the, in the extraction processes? Like it's literally like, but from my understanding, the same thing. Um, and I met the pe and like the brand I give them, you know, when I go over there, like I bring over the watermelon gummies. Um, I'm like, you love these products one. And then two, it's like, you know, this is a PhD, like chemist and pharmacist who's creating these, like just from a moral perspective, like this guy would not do this, yeah. you sure. know, um, you know, I, I know like back in the day, like, you know, back in Jersey in the day, like God only knows like the dabs that I was, you know, like <laughs> those black dabs, you know, like who You're even like, knows. This will do. Yeah, this will this will get the job done. So. But but John, to and ask the question, important. to ask a question though, is like, sure, maybe your your member of your band had a different experience, and because of that, he was off put, and then maybe he's kind of in this more. No, he he just like he just like one of those. To, I think he just listened to a podcast, and like his interpretation of like the process like seemed really sketchy to him, without understanding like someone like me who's like been to like a bunch of CBD and like sure. cannabis THC facilities. Um, just like what goes into the extraction process. Like people really don't understand like how deep that can actually go and how many, you know, critical factors there are throughout that process. Um, and even in the cannabis industry in the Delta nine, like distillate space, like a really respected research lab out of Canada called CBDB. And you can go look at all their research and they just published that Delta 10 is a, a minor cannabinoid that's in every single distillate product out there and it's it's formed from the distillation process right so delta 9 is converting to delta 10 within the distillation and consumers have been ingesting delta 10 now for a really long time and it took them five years to discover that that was a byproduct of distillation but there's been no negative side effects of that you know what i mean and so yeah interesting delta, 8, delta 9 delta 10 we're just literally moving a double bond around so i would imagine that there's the same exact health consequences can, delta 10 can be extracted from hemp as well I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I was just wondering. I, I want to say that like Melofeld mentioned they're like coming out with like Delta 10 CBG product or then I don't know. I'll send so you I'm a like, link. <laughs> I want to push I want to push back on on Kellen's comment for a second is that I don't think the consumer cares. When John sent me the link for D8, I didn't look it up. I didn't see if there was a PhD. I didn't ask about anything else. <laughs> I literally two clicks and a buy. Boom. I mean, I feel like a link for me is more legit probably than for someone else. 100%, <laughs> 100% right? 100, but, but I want to continue on that, right? It's like the next phase of that was that when my buddy asked for a recommendation, I did the same thing. He did two clicks. And, and like, that's how it kind of spirals down where I feel like you get one bad apple and it And then ruins, boom, it's a, it's a chain Exactly, reaction. right. Everyone ruins a bunch because people are just very trusting of friends and, and social circles where... They're like, hey, like you wanted something like, yeah, I got high on this. Like you can buy it online. Is it illegal? Maybe. Will it get me high? Yes. Okay. I'll buy it. Yeah. We, I know from a marketing perspective, like for the, you know, Mellow Fellow, the, 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 there's a wholesale company that kind of has, has a bunch of subsidiary brands are working with. Um, but that's something we're kind of just shoving down, you know, people's throats from like ongoing marketing perspective, like constantly circling back to, hey, PhD, chemist pharmacist like you know these these are the facts but like you know the average consumer is still you know in in every space we're talking about here delta nine you know dispensary ordering cbd products online ordering right. delta eight we're, we're just not there um 
So it's just, you know, it's, it's up to these types of conversations and, and people like us to, to make that happen, you know? Um, okay. So I want to start shifting away from, from Delta A here. Cause I feel like this, we, like, I just always talk about it. Um, and I love talking about it with you guys, but, um, so much has happened in, in, in cannabis as well. I mentioned that kind of fear I have, um, with federal legalization with, you know, people who have a lot of skin in the game getting pushed out. Um, as more states come online, as you know, uh, DC gets more involved in some of this more federal legalization testing regulations. Um, do you guys have any higher level thoughts on that? Anything that you're excited about? Anything that you're maybe a little bit nervous about? I know you it's a big question. Uh, <laughs> the big news for uh, your your home home state, Brian. Well, before How we think can that affects it federally. Well, obviously, you know, the East Coast is now here, which is really exciting because yeah quite behind for a while but i think <laughs> and we're all from well not Kiowa, but you and right. i are from new jersey new york so but big. i think any you know new york's been rumored for a while now and as soon as new jersey went wreck it was inevitable he was like you amateurs <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy right if you think about it like we still can't go into a dispensary and it's not like it's going to be anytime in like the quick near future but yeah and it's 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 like second nature to him like he doesn't even think twice about it um from a high level perspective if you're in the space I think figuring out what you do well and doubling down is so crucial right now. I think for so many of these operators, they've been able to make tons and tons of money, but now is the time to really fortify your moat and figure out what you do well and then optimize that. I know it's not a popular thought to spend resources and money on improving what's already working, but at the end of the day, as the industry consolidates, everyone's gonna have to kind of really tighten up what they're doing the best and that'll really be how they can separate themselves from their peers. So I guess understanding what your true USP is, figuring out exactly what that is and how it can help drive the bottom line and then double it down hard on that. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think that understanding USP also goes hand in hand with understanding your goals, right? So if your goal was to get in, build a business and exit, then the next two years is a, a prime time opportunity for you to kind of take advantage of these consolidation events, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. If that was your motive going into starting a, a cannabis business is to exit through a sale, then that's fine as long as you had that in the in the cards and that was your plan and that's what you're working towards. But if you're here for a really long-term kind of play and you want to be a part of the cannabis industry for the long-term, you're the day is fast approaching where you're gonna have to kind of face reality where you're either going to join one of these larger msos and kind of jump on their ship or you're gonna have to like brian said fortify your moat figure out what you're really good at and kind of fall into more of the kind of microbrewery play is i guess would be a good analogy from my mm, perspective right. in terms of high quality boutique flower for instance or or high quality boutique dabbable product you just kind of yeah. pick a niche and then and like really, really and then like expanding on like it's just like high quality boutique sustainable you know cannabis and packaging and inf infusing those elements too i feel like um exactly yeah it's really intriguing it's intriguing to see this kind of balancing act of what people are interested the education level of consumers the the education level of bud tenders and that um you know information that's getting out there um that's real. I think that's really solid advice from you guys. I appreciate you you giving our listeners that advice. I totally agree, hundred percent. I know personally, as a someone in the cannabis industry, I mean, we're kind of we we've, we've adapted our business model 
uh, and somewhat of both ways and both perspectives that you that you that you mentioned. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's a really really solid point to make. Um, anything that you're scared about from a you know just quality control you know business perspective with this whole you know the White House you know Biden Harris administration keep you know teasing at federal legalization cannabis you know I know personally my biggest um, agenda is just you know decriminalization getting folks out of jail or at least you know if they're in jail for weed and something else at least take the the cannabis thing off of there um, it to me it's just like absurd that like there's murderers that are in jail for less time than people who sold like you know an ounce of weed um, which I've done myself and I'm, I'm white. So obviously I have a different experience than, than a lot of other people out there. So, um, so yeah, any, any thoughts there that like anything you're scared about or. I think not really scared. I think for me, I know everyone was hoping for faster progress. And I know, you know, when they teased it out that people were like a little more frustrated that safe didn't get passed in March. Here we are in April and, and thinking about it, but at the end of the day, you know, what I harp on and what I continue to preach is that we're moving forward, right? At the end of the day, forward is forward. And we just got New York, New Jersey, Virginia, New Mexico. I mean, think about that from a standpoint. Like we're just adding states weekly, monthly, however you want to look at it. And I think the more that states come on, then I think the federal government will, you know, kind of come in. But I think they want more states to kind of to open up the pathway before they come in and kind of dictate how that works. At least that's what I believe. Yeah, my biggest concern is that we jump the gun on federal legalization from a monetary and tax perspective in terms of generating revenue. Um, I know it's, it's it's a very hot topic based on the pandemic coming and, and all those things. I mean, tax revenue is an absolute um, must for a lot of these states and it's the driving force behind legalization, at least from, from my, in my opinion and from my perspective, right? And I think that yeah. my biggest concern is we jump the gun jump the gun and all of these really large corporations are going to be the only ones that kind of can um, facilitate and play in that world. And then um, in addition to that, a fear is that a lot of these other aspects like the social inequality, right? And a lot of these other things just get swept under the rug. And it's 10 years before people that are spending life sentences in, in prison for cannabis offenses are, are let go and it's kind of gets put back to like the uh, secondary motive, you know what I mean? In terms yep. of addressing those things. And that's my biggest concern is that forward is forward, right? But like, we can't move too quickly where these kind of things get swept under the rug and it just strictly becomes a, a large corporate money grab, you know? And I think I, that I that's completely the, agree. Good point. The biggest kind of- um, That's my biggest fear out. too. What, one of, that, that's my biggest fear. My other big fear is the um the quality uh you know with federal legalization you know, that's something else that gets swept under the rug uh and like these boutique companies and people have like actually been in, like the actual ogs you know uh in the game just kind of get pushed out and then we just have this huge quality issue and um yeah i you know it'll go out of the brands you know are out there i think you know they, they forget about but that's like the most important part of this this whole thing here um, so I like to always bring that up too. Totally. I mean, um, the market, right. They came online last year and I have some good friends that live in Chicago and they were like super excited to go to a dispensary and they went to the dispensary and they bought an $85 eighth 
and it was just garbage. absolutely garbage. And they're like, yep. "Well, I'm done with the legal market." Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like twice like as much for a way less quality product. And so there is concern there. So hopefully they learned, right? The Cresco, yeah. the bigger companies there learned from that experience. So I got a question for you, John. Uh, yeah. How's that going to work? Like, how are the big brands going to continue to raise awareness when they're competing with these large MSOs? So, like, for example, someone like myself who's only been to 20 dispensaries on the West Coast, on the East Coast, maybe I'm not a massive consumer of flour. I walk in with a friend who is, wants some recommendations. How do I kind of guide them through that process? Do you? Um, I think that, like, I mean, I can only speak from, like, some, I, I can speak from it from, like, an opposite perspective where someone from the East Coast, which happens to me all the time, like, comes out here and I go into a dispensary with them here in Colorado. Um, I typically am the one, like, asking, all, like, all the questions for the bud tenders in regards to, like, dosage, you know, who, who are the people? Like, do you know, the, you know these guys? Like, are they good people? Um, you know, what's the deal with, you know, um, the ingredients that have like, gone to this project kind of check out like the, the back of the packaging and the label, um, you know, kind of, those are like questions I dive into with people. Um, I also like, you know, love to hear the butt, like butt tenders opinions, but that's also an interesting thing to dive into because I think that the butt tender level of just like education and like perspective and approach to butt tending, uh, changes state to state. And I think different dispensaries and it's going to happen on the East coast too. Um, have different like uh, pro like SOPs in place for how they train bud tenders and how that bud tender uh, communicates with the consumer. Um, you know, like right now, like we we just became a member of like NACB. Uh, they offer like a bunch of like bud tender training through a few partners of theirs. There's other you know associations organizations out there that have these like processes and education materials. Um, so yeah, that's that's a I mean that's like some something like me being like. <laughs> super educated consumer, you know, cannabis connoisseur going into a dispensary. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge to like educate uh, consumers in newer states, especially um, just from experience of marketing with like newer brands in newer states, um, you know, helping launch, you know, some newer dispensaries in newer states. The whole just the perspective and approach with the operators themselves is like night and day compared to like the perspective and approach of someone in Colorado. Um, it's really interesting being in the middle of all of that as like a marketer. Um, cause I just deal with like so many different types of perspectives, but we're all in the same industry. You know, it's like, you yeah. think that I'm talking to people that aren't even in coming in close remotely in the same industry. Uh, and these are the people operating businesses. Oh. Um, so I think, I think that translates to the butt tender. I also think that translates to the consumer as well. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, it does. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. I mean, I'll, I'd love to add to that too. Is so yeah. I was I operated in the Washington market as well as the Colorado, and the Washington market is much different. Um, you're not allowed to be vertically integrated in Washington, right? Like you can't own a dispensary retail location, which, which impacts the whole experience. With exactly, and so when you go there and you talk to a bud tender, there's no bias, right? Is what I've noticed when I go to any Colorado dispensary, and like I love Colorado, right? Like it's my home state, but like I go into any Colorado dispensary and the first, if I'm looking for flower instance, for instance, the first four flowers they're going to show me no matter what. Are theirs. This is <laughs> literally, exactly. Like it does not matter. That is what they've trained to do because they're like, we're going to sell our flower because our yeah. margins are much greater. Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> from, from like, and that's like a huge thing for us too, is like as marketers and we, and like you have to recognize that as like a marketer or someone who's in the consulting position. 
and overcome that. And it's really difficult to do because it ranges. That obstacle is so different state to state. And even when you break it down into a more like even uh, micro level, county to county, city to city, um, there, there's there's those factors applied throughout that whole process. Um, it, and it's crazy. And we try to work with brand, brands to help them understand that and like how deep they can break down that education and break down those relationships so they can at least be, you know, for a Colorado brands, as example, like the second option, you know, that's like almost the best you can ask for. And like a chain, like a chain, fully graded, integrated dispensary, second or third rec rec is like, yeah. you're still good. But, you know, then what, if you're fourth and fifth or sixth rec, then how often are you really realistically making sales as like a pre-roll or like just a flower brand? You know, and then, right. oh, uh, like let's add cookies to the mix and dro, you know, and that, right. now you're two and three are out of the question. Now it's like, you know, now it's our fully integrated weed cookies and dro are going to be there. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting to navigate that. And I think that there is like a lot of um, different types of strategies and like processes you can go through to help differentiate in the market. And that also applies to CBD. I think it also applies to Delta eight too. Um, but it also is just like a huge approach strategy. Who's on the team. You know, there's, there's so many little factors that go into things. Um, so for me in particular, it's like crazy dealing with like a CBD brand. who's like, Hey, um, can you run our Instagram and, and host our website? And if they're like, Hey, how come we aren't making money? Um, so then it's like, do you not realize like what, all like you know how deep these other micro brands and then how deep these macro brands take things um at both levels in order to just generate sales on the month to month right. um so it's just crazy like the range of perspective um that i experienced and i'm sure that you guys you know see on the day-to-day -day, talking to people and talking to clients um and how that ranges like state to state uh and ranges you know just like <laughs> region the region in the united states too like it's funny talking to people in like the northeast now you know from a business or just like friend or family perspective compared to like you know some of my friends down in socal you know and like what their thoughts are on everything it's like just night and day it's so cool <laughs> i will i love it i just love all the perspectives and like i try to formulate my own opinions and like try to put myself in everyone's shoes because i am trying to be dynamic across like every market and understand every single one so um, well, I think that's what makes this such a beautiful industry is just that insane spectrum of the different individuals that we get to interact with, the, the various mentalities in terms of that West Coast meets East Coast and like yep. being that whole development. I mean, that's what I think makes it so beautiful from yeah. an entrepreneurial perspective. In, yeah, in it, makes things, it makes things interesting for sure. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing that I only have a, like a minute or two left here on my, uh, my Zoom. Um, is there anything that you guys have going on or want to leave our listeners list with, with that, you know, I know you guys are on a lot of podcasts, your, your you know, events are coming online. Um, where can people find you? What's coming up that, you know, we should be looking out for in the eighth revolution world. We're pretty, pretty loud on social media. We make a little bit of noise there. We got our monthly playbook where Kellen and I dive pretty deep into what the industry is from a current standpoint, but really where it is from a forward thinking standpoint, it's roughly 28 plus pages. Right now it's free, but we're likely going to more monetize it in the near future. But right now, what we wanna do is help kind of, like you were saying, John, educate the space. And, and what we do is, is try to predict 
some of the trends that we're seeing from other industries, use search trends, kind of some of those dynamics and pricings to really forecast out where the forward is going to be. Kind of like you were saying before, how to stay ahead of the game and, and where yep. we're going. So that's something that we would definitely recommend people check out. And, and if there's different concepts in there or you don't like some of the things we say, challenge us. We'd love to have conversations, especially as end of the day, like everyone's perspectives, like we were saying, is really helpful. And at the end of the day, we're here to try and make each other better. And what we can do is challenge each other. So the playbook, the podcasts, which is I, something. I'll plug, all, I'll plug all that stuff into the into the links as well. Um, it's going to end here in a second. So thanks so much, guys. I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I should probably upgrade by Zoom. Um, <laughs> thanks thanks for Mellow Fellow for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mellow Fellow, for your sponsorship. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Talk to cool. you guys soon. Thank you. Take care, dude. Right, thanks, Tosh. Always a pleasure.